Thank you for tuning in to the podcast of Western Heights Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. We exist to exalt Christ, equip the church, and engage the community. For more info, visit whbcwaco.org. You got your Bibles. I hope you have your Bibles. We're going to be looking at a lot of verses today. And you know me, I like you to have your Bible so you can underline, circle, highlight. If something, you know, tickles your fancy, you might make a note about it beside, you know. Uh, so uh, we're going to be looking at a lot of Scripture today. In 1863, President Abraham Lincoln made a proclamation. In his proclamation, he said this, let's set aside a day for Thanksgiving. And he said, Thanksgiving is a national holiday for people to gather in their churches and to gather as families and corporately as a nation express our thanksgiving to God for all His blessings. This is in 1863. And the interesting thing about that proclamation is we were a nation in the midst of a civil war. We were, we were a nation divided, trying to determine what kind of nation would we be. Would we be a nation uh, dominated by slavery, or we would be a nation dominated by freedom of all people? And so we, we fought a great war. We was in the middle of a civil war. We were a divided nation. But yet, President Lincoln issued this proclamation. And the fact of the matter is, even though we may not be involved in a civil war, we are still a divided nation. Uh, we are a divided nation between liberals and conservatives, Democrats and Republicans, uh, you know, uh, Texas, University of Texas, Texas A&M, you know, uh, Baylor, uh, Baylor, TCU. Well, we are a divided nation, you know, trying to decide what are we going to be, what kind of people, what kind of nation are we going to be. And even though it's a great holiday that, that we celebrate, we have to admit that we're a divided nation, but we can still come together with thanksgiving. We can still all come together and say what we're thankful for and how we do celebrate this great day of thanksgiving. However, I want to move beyond just talking about a day, a day of thanksgiving. I want to talk about thanks living. The Bible says that we ought to thank God every day of our lives, not just one day a year, but every day of our lives. In Psalm 107, 21 to 22, this is what God's Word says. Let them give thanks to the Lord for His unfailing love and His wonderful deeds for men. Let them sacrifice, thank offerings, and tell of His works with songs of joy. A couple of things I want to highlight in, in that verse. Sacrifice, thank offerings, and tell of His works. So every time we come together and we give thanks, we offer thank offerings, we are telling of His great works in individual lives and also as, as a corporate life, but also in the life of our nation. You see, it's one thing to thank God one day a year. It's another thing to thank God every day of your life. And I think this verse helps us do that. It helps us move from thanksgiving to thanksgiving. And that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about going from thanksgiving to thanks living. As we offer up the sacrifices that God wants us to do, we are telling God and we're telling the world, we're telling everyone around us how we can live and how we can be thankful. So I'm going to give you four sacrifices this morning. All four sacrifices are something that we can do to turn thanksgiving into thanksgiving. So, if you have your Bibles, open them to Romans chapter 12, 
verse 1. This is one of the key verses in the Bible. If you don't have this passage underlined, if you don't have this passage highlighted, you're missing a great word. You're missing one of the, one of the, the hallmarks of our faith. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the Roman, the church at Rome, as he made his way there to visit them. Listen to what he says in Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore, okay, let's stop right there. Anytime you see that therefore, you want to ask, what's it there for? We'll get back to that. Just hang on to that. Therefore, therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So here's your first truth. To turn thanksgiving into thanksgiving, we are to give our person. If you're filling in the blank, we are to give our person. Paul says we are to be, be offered living sacrifices. He says in view of God's mercy, we are to offer sacrifices. Notice what he says in this passage. Why do we do that? Why do we offer the sacrifices? The first 11 chapters of Romans, Paul talks about what Jesus Christ has done for us. He talks about everything he's done, and then Paul comes to verse 12, chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, in view of what Jesus has done for us, in view of everything he's done, we in turn are to present ourselves to him as a sacrifice, as a offer our bodies to him. So in light of his mercy, Paul says, he pleads with us, he urges us, present your bodies as a living sacrifice to God. Now I want you to stop and think with me just for a moment. As Baptists, we believe in the inspiration of Scripture. We believe that all Scripture is inspired. We believe it's truth without any mixture of errors, inerrant, and all that ways, okay? We believe that Paul is writing this as a human instrument. Ultimately, behind Paul writing that is the Holy Spirit himself. So it's actually not Paul asking you to do this. It's the Holy Spirit asking you to do this. But let's take it one step further. We know that the Holy Spirit, Jesus, and God the Father are all one because we believe in the Holy Trinity. We believe in that. So actually, when the Holy Spirit's doing it, Jesus Christ is on the same page. So let me ask you a question. If Jesus Christ could, came and stood in front of you, he looked you in the eye, and he said, I plead with you, I urge you, I beg you to present your body as a living sacrifice, would you say no? Would you say no? Because that's exactly what we have going on in this scripture. Jesus Christ stands before us and says, I urge you, I plead you. You know, I don't think Jesus would get on his knees, but if he got down on his knees and he said, I am pleading with you, I am urging you, I, I, I'm, I'm begging you, please, please present your body as a living sacrifice. Why do we do that? Because he gave his body up for us, we give our body to him so that he can live through us and do his work through each one of us. That's the reason we do it. So how do we do it? How do we present our bodies as living sacrifice? Let me run through them real quickly. First, you ought to do it voluntarily. We see this by the word offer in this passage. He says, offer 
your bodies. An offer, you're doing this, you're voluntarily giving this. This is the same word that's used of somebody volunteering to be in the army. Somebody volunteering to be in the military. Listen, listen. God does not have a draft. You volunteer to serve with God. You volunteer to give it. So you have to do that voluntarily. Let me ask a question. Have you volunteered to give your body to Jesus? Have you done that? Have you honestly said, God, it's your body, take it. It's yours. Whatever do, whatever you want to do it. You have to offer yourself willingly. Not only do it voluntarily, you have to do it completely. You have to completely give it to God. Did you know that when you offer a sacrifice, that sacrifice doesn't have any more plans of its own? None whatsoever. Uh, You're offering it up. It is a sacrifice. Literally, in the Old Testament, that sacrifice was killed. It had no ambition. It had no motivation of its own. It totally was completely dedicated what it was. So when you come to God, you say, I'm voluntarily and I'm completely giving myself to you. You say, I am dying to my ambitions. I am dying to my dreams. I'm dying to my family. I'm dying to my job. I'm dying to my my finances. I'm dying to, to, to my children. I'm dying to my future. I'm dying to my bank account. I'm dying to everything because I'm dead. I am completely surrendered to Jesus all the way. So it's complete, it's voluntary, but guess what? There's one more thing you need to understand that it is is binding. It's binding. I couldn't think of the word off the top of my head. It's binding. In order to understand what I mean by that, you have to go back in the Old Testament. When they would bring a sacrifice to the altar in the Old Testament, on that altar there were two hooks on that altar, and they would hook the meat onto the altar. Why is that? Because you didn't want the sacrifice to slide off of the table. And so when you come and you offer yourself voluntarily, you offer yourself completely, it is to be binding to what you're doing. Here's the point. You ever made a commitment to God? You ever made a commitment to Jesus? And then you find yourself sliding away, slipping away? I've done it. You know, it gets hard. Things get difficult. I didn't sign on for this. Remember, you don't have any will. You have no ambition but his ambition. But we we find ourselves slipping away. We find ourselves not as committed as we were before. But when you become a living sacrifice, you're not dead, you're living, but you're offering yourself voluntarily, completely, and binding yourself to that commitment. I think sometimes we forget that. Uh, We forget that fact, well, I'll do it as long as I agree with it. I don't see that anywhere in Scripture. He says, the minute you say, no, Lord, you're in disobedience. No, Lord is an oxymoron. You can't say it. The minute you say, no, he's not your Lord. You you can't do it. It's impossible. So you uh, you are to completely, voluntarily, and binding yourself to that agreement that you make as a sacrifice. So to move from thanksgiving to thanksgiving, we are to offer our person to God. Turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. In my Bible, it's 1172. I don't know if that will help you, but uh, maybe it'll help you get the Hebrews. If you get the James, you've gone too far, okay? Here's what it says. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. 
through Jesus, therefore, there's that therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess His name. Here's the truth. To turn thanksgiving into thanksgiving, we are to give our praise. Have you ever thought, have you ever thought that the praise that we offer God is a sacrifice? Have you ever thought about that? Did you know that, that God is happier with your praise than He is the offering that you give? Some of you are ready to break into song now because you've never heard a preacher say that. You've never heard a preacher say that God is happier with the praise that comes from your lips than the money that you drop in the offering plate. Man, we want to shout hallelujah. Uh, that's what we want to do. Uh, that, that's what we, we would like to, to know. Your praise is of more value than what you put in the plate. Here's a verse. Psalm 69, 30-31 says this, I praise God's name in song and glorify Him with thanksgiving. This will please the Lord more than an ox, more than a bull with horns and hooves. Do you know how much a, an ox cost in those days? That would be like you saying today, I'm going to give my car to the Lord. I'm going to give my car to the Lord. A car, in order to have an ox, it means you had wealth. You had money. But it was also costly to give your ox. That means you couldn't work the field. You couldn't do the things you had. So this was a costly sacrifice that this individual was doing. It's extremely wealthy. And so your psalm of thanksgiving will please the Lord more than your material gifts. Now praise is not a substitute, but it helps us understand how important praise is to be in our lives. But look at what the writer of Hebrews says. Let us continually do this. We are to continue to offer this, this praise to God. It's not something you do in a service of thanksgiving. It's a lifestyle that you have in a life of thanks living. That you're giving this praise to Him. Listen, you don't come to church to praise the Lord. I know you can't believe I just said that. You do not come to the church to praise the Lord. You come to the church to continue praising the Lord. You've been praising Him all week. You've been praising Him every day. You just come in here to continue what you've already started in your life. Why? Because you're praising Him every day of your life. And so you come in here to celebrate what you've been doing all week. You don't commence your praise in here. You continue your praise in here. And I think that's the reason that some of us do such a poor job of worshiping in the church because we're not worshiping Him out there. We're not celebrating. We're not worshiping Him out there and giving Him the praise that's due. And we come here, and by the time we get into it, oh, that was hard work. I'm tired. But if you're doing it, it's a lifestyle of praise to Him. It'd be much easier when we come here. David said in Psalm 34, verse 1, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. You should be entering into His presence with the attitude of continuing what you've already begun outside this place. God is begging us to praise Him. He's begging us to praise God. We should never have to beg or coerce or manipulate people to praise God. 
some people say, yeah, you haven't sat next to me when I praise the Lord. I said, yeah, God doesn't want to hear my voice. I said, yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. He wants to hear everybody. It should roll off our lips as easily as the air we breathe. It should be something we're doing. So to move thanksgiving to thanksgiving, we ought to offer our person. We ought to offer our praise. Let's look at the third sacrifice. Turn to Psalm 141, verse 2. Psalm 141, verse 2. Psalm 141, verse 2. This is what the Lord says. David writes, May my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting up of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. Here's the truth. To turn thanksgiving into thanksgiving, we are to offer our prayers. We got person, praise, now we have prayers. And this one is closely connected to praise. David said our prayer is, is to be like incense. What does he mean by that? In order to really understand what he means by incense, we've got to go back into the Old Testament, back to the temple, back to the tabernacle, and find out what was the importance of incense. In the tabernacle and later on in the temple, you had a veil that separated the, the outer court from the inner court. In the inner court, was, there was this place called the Holy of Holies, where the priest only went one time a year on the Day of Atonement. He would go in and make a sacrifice for the people of God. That's why it's so cool. Uh, let, me, let me take a little parenthetical statement here. You know, the Bible says that whenever, whenever Jesus died upon the cross, the veil between the Holy of Holies and the inner court was ripped in two. Why was that? Because Jesus had made access to God possible possible. Great. But they didn't have that in the Old Testament. So once a year they would go into the Holy of Holies. But outside that, outside the curtain, there was an altar. And on that altar there were two candles that burned. Candles of incense. Incense was a perfume that smelled good as it rose up into the air. And every night the priest would come in and they would trim the wick of the candle to make sure the incense would never go out. And it burned 24-7 continually. It always burned. And the incense represented the obedience of the people that was constant to God. This is what it means. Now you fast forward to the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation says that our prayers or our prayers are incense to God. They are a sweet aroma to God. And then we see here that our, our, our prayers ought to be like incense. Incense. So what we need to understand this morning... When we have a personal relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ, we maintain constant communion with God through our prayers. It's continual. It's constant. And we're praying. And when we're praying to God, when we have that continual relationship, He says it's a sweet aroma to God. The sacrifice of our prayers is pleasing to God because we are establishing fellowship with God. It's not because we come to God as if He's some kind of cosmic Walmart or some kind of cosmic Amazon.com and we can get what we want. We're coming to God simply because we desire intimacy with God. Look at it this way. You may have to go back in your annals of history, okay? When your little child, your, your son or your daughter would climb up into your lap 
And they throw their arms around and say, Daddy, I just love you because you're my daddy. Or Mama, I just love you because you're my mama. That's what they're talking about. This is that kind of prayer where we just crawl up in our Father's lap and say, God, I just love you because of who you are. I don't need anything. I just love you. And I just want you to know that. And we, we have that intimacy. And it says that when we do that, it's a sweet aroma to Christ, to God, as we do that type of prayer to Him. You see, we come to Him because we desire that intimacy. When was the last time you did that? When was the last time you just prayed? Nothing. I said, Lord, I don't really need anything today. I just want to tell you I love you. And I thank you for everything you've done in my life, for your goodness and your grace. I thank you, Lord, for all you've done. David heightens it up. He says, not only is it to be like incense, he said, let it be like the evening sacrifice. The evening sacrifice was offered as forgiveness of sins. So David is saying total dependence upon God to forgive him. Theologically, David was way ahead of the Old Testament. He was recognizing that constant forgiveness from God. It's the symbolism that we have in this passage. He's saying that, he's saying that Lord, I'm lifting my hands to you, acknowledging my desperate need for you in all things. As I was preparing this passage, uh, sometimes a song will come to my mind. Sometimes I sing them in my office. You don't want me singing them out here, but sometimes I sing them in my office. And I'm reminded of a song that Chris Tomlin sings. I don't know if Chris Tomlin wrote it, but whoever wrote it, I don't know if he had these words in mind, but the song goes, I lift my hands to believe again. You are my refuge. You are my strength. As I pour out my heart, these things I remember, you are faithful God forever great song. And he says, let faith arise, let faith arise. That's what we're trying to find out in this passage. Lifting up our prayers to God because he's faithful forever. Listen, we live in times of uncertainty. We live in times of, of, of conflict. Times of doubt. Times of fear. We do not know what's going to happen tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, ten years. We do not know. We know nothing. We don't know what's going to happen when we walk out this door this afternoon. But we cling to the Lord. We hang on to Him. We hold on to Him because we know that He is the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. He does not change. He's the same. And so we cling to Him. We hold on to Him. And when we do that, that's when you can move from thanksgiving to thanksgiving. So we offer our person... We offer our praise. We offer our prayer. Now let me give you the last one. To turn thanksgiving into thanksgiving, we are to offer our possessions. Oh, you knew I'd get there, didn't you? You knew I'd get there. Offer our possessions. Look over at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16. We just looked at chapter 15. But now I want you to look at the next verse. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16. This is what it says. And do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is 
pleased. You see that word sacrifice there again. There's that word that we've been looking at. The writer of Hebrews saying that we are to sacrificially share with others what we have. What we have. What does it mean to, to share in a biblical way? It means you give with no strings attached. It means you give it honestly and you give liberally so that others might benefit, so that others might be blessed. You've heard me say this a thousand times. We are blessed to be a blessing. That's what we were. We we are to give of our material blessings so that others may benefit. Paul said it this way when he wrote to the church at Philippi. He received a gift from them. And he said the gift is is an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. So you show your thanksgiving, you show it in your giving. Let me ask you a question. Does your giving really show what you think of God? (laughs) Believe it or not, whether you give a lot or little, it shows what you think of God. Some people come to come to the church and they give God their spare change. Uh, they give God the, the crumbs. They give God the, the leftovers. Uh, I, I know the way it works. Uh, you know, uh, you have a budget. If you don't have a budget, you should have a budget. You ought to at least have some kind of idea of money in, money out. Uh, you got a budget. And so you look at your budget. The first of them I say, well, I've got a house payment. I've got to make my house payment. I've got to pay those utilities. You know, I like to have electricity. I like to have water. I like, you know, I've got to pay that. You know, well... You know, I got a car payment. I got to make my car payment. I said, well, you know, uh, I, I, I owe money to Visa. I got to pay Visa. I got to pay MasterCard. Got to pay that. I said, well, you know, I got insurance. I'd like to, I got to pay my insurance, you know. The kids are going to go to college. I got to start setting aside some money for tuition for the kids. You know, and I'd like to be able to take a vacation. So I got to have a little money over here to save a vacation. And then I, I've got to have an emergency fund. And when you look at that, if you're like most people, you look at your bills and you have too much month at the end of your money. Uh, and you look at that and you say, what's left? What's left? See, that's the way we look at things. That's not biblical. The Bible says what you're supposed to do at the very first of the month, you write a check to God. Not literally. Okay, you write a check to the church. And you give it that, 10%, and you say, and you trust God with the 90%. That's what you do. We've got it all backwards. We say we pay all of our stuff first. If we have anything left over, we give it to God. That's the way we do it. Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10 says this. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim with new wine. Listen. There's a lot of people that take that verse and use this for health, wealth, and make you wise. Uh, that is not true. Don't take anything out of context. You take a passage, if you take a text out of context, you have a pretext. Uh, make sure you understand the full teaching of God's Word. That's not what he's saying. Basically saying, you trust me, you trust me with your funds, and I'll demonstrate to you how I'll bless you. I'll do it, but trust me. And whether God blesses you or not, you still give to God. Because the blessing is in giving, not in the receiving in this context. The problem of too many Christians, and hear me, the problem of too many Christians and the problem of too many churches is we're not giving to God as a thanksgiving offering. We're not doing it. We're not giving appropriately. We have all the money we need in God's church. The problem is it's in the pockets of the people. We have it. 
Listen to the way God said it in Malachi chapter 1. Turn to Malachi chapter 1. This will be the last one, okay? I know y'all are getting, getting, your hands are getting cramped up because you're turning too many pages, okay? Malachi chapter 1, verse 8. If you go to Matthew, then you see that little interlude, you go find Malachi. Malachi chapter 1, verse 8. Listen to what he says. When you bring blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice crippled or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? You see what they're doing? They need to give an offering to God and say, you know, we got no blind cow over here. He's not used to anybody. Let's just go sacrifice him. He says, oh, we've got a goat over here that's really old. It's going to die next year anyway. Let's go give that to God. And God says, would your governor be happy with that? You know, uh, you know, look at it this way. If you were going to pay your taxes to the government, would they be happy with your leftovers? <laughs> Why do we think God would be? We give more credence and more authority to our government, government than we do our God, the maker of heaven and earth. This is what he's saying. People were not doing what was right. Listen, we don't give to the church because the church needs it. That's not why we give it. We don't give to some cause. We give a sacrifice to God. That's what we do. If there was no need, listen, hear me on this. If there was no need in the world and the church had no needs and you gave your money and all we did was burn it, it would still be a sacrifice to God. You don't believe me? That's exactly what they did in the Old Testament. That's exactly what they did with all the, the Old Testament sacrifices. They were burned up. They were not given to meet a need. They were, they were given to God. They would take that sacrifice. They would separate out a part to give to the priests or the Levites. But the rest of it, they would set on that altar. Nobody ate it. They didn't give it to the poor. They didn't give it to the oppressed. They simply took it, lit it, and burned it and consumed it. That's it. It served no other purpose than to be an offering to God. If we were to take your money, your $100 bill, and come up here and say, I'm going to give it to God, and we burned it, it would still be a sacrifice to God. It served no other purpose. When we as followers start making such sacrifices, we will move from thanksgiving to thanks living every day of our life. And listen, here's the good news. When you start living that way, amazing things are going to happen. God is just going to start revealing himself in ways that you've never seen it before. And you'll start experiencing things you've never experienced before because you are living with an attitude of gratitude all the time. It's not just thanksgiving, it's thanks living. And it will give us an opportunity as believers, it will give us an opportunity as a church to display to the world the way that we live and that we are truly thankful to God for everything He's done for us. Not one day, but every day. So we give a sacrifice of our person, a sacrifice of praise, a sacrifice of prayer, and a sacrifice of our possessions. Maybe what you need to do this morning before we leave is you need to offer a sacrifice to God. Whatever it is. I can't tell you what it is. Maybe you need to say, Lord, today, 
I'm going to start making a sacrifice for you because I love you and because I'm so grateful for what you've done in my life.